Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on our Wednesday morning podcast. My deepest apologies, Daniel Seckham will not be joining me today. It's one o'clock in the morning where the young Australian is. We're going to try to do some more pre-recordings and get his message out as the days go by. Longer days, more sunshine, spring forward, praise the Lord, pass the ammunition, winter's coming to an end, spring is ready to spring. And uh, before you know it, we're going to be in another season. A year ago, around this time, uh, began a series of events within this nation and around the world that I believe were distractions to the implementations that were being set to produce what we've been waiting for for quite some time. Uh, As you know, last night, there were eight people that were killed at three Asian massage parlors, or at least two of them, and then one was a smoke shop, I believe it was, an uh, aromatic shop. A young 21-year-old boy uh, decided to kill eight people. This is what the left has been looking for. We were wondering when the first uh, false flag event would come, who would set it up, why a 21-year-old boy Uh, would actually go and kill these people. And it reminded me so much of what happened in South Carolina a few years ago when another young white male uh, went to South Carolina and killed members of a black church. And, of course, that was uh, white supremacy. That was white nationalism. And now this 21-year-old could be because he's fighting, they're saying, against the Wuhan virus, and it's, uh, it's a hate crime against the Asians, 
Um, but you just know that the left is biting at the bit uh, to make sure that guns are removed from the uh, homes of people and the hands of people in this country. And so we're going to see probably a string of these types of events taking place. Once again, it's just an amazing phenomena how this is really playing itself out. So there's a lot of that to talk about today, and there's a lot going on in that realm. But I'm going to share something with you today that I would venture that 95% of you have never considered before. 95%. Oh, that's such a bold thing, right? It is a bit bold. But it's not meant to be arrogant. It's meant to spark your attention, to get your, your, your thinking juices on and to come with me into the scriptures and allow the scriptures to interpret themselves, always remembering that the principle is that the end is revealed from the beginning. The end is revealed from the beginning. And so that's where I'm going to be heading today, and I'm waiting for all of my friends to come along with the journey, trusting that Jesus Christ is the light of your life, believing that your journey on this earth is moving forward into everlasting life. That is the most important thing, the gift of eternal life. My God, think about that. Your sins are forgiven. Well, what's the use of that if there's no eternal life? What's the good of having all this work and all this doctrine and all this gospel if we just simply fade away into nothingness and perish, as some people believe? The Sadducees certainly believed that there was no resurrection. So we have this incredible gift, and it came to us by way of God's Son, the genuine, only begotten Son of God, and we have received this gift of atonement, forgiveness, life, Holy Spirit, baptism, doctrines, wisdom, intelligence. We never had it before, but we have it now because Jesus Christ is our wisdom. Jesus Christ is our knowledge. Hallelujah. He's our life. He's our source. He's our inspiration. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. We worship him. We bow down to him. We bow down and acknowledge him. We honor him. We worship the Father in his name. We worship God the Father. We worship God. And when it turns out that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, we will have a greater revelation. I want you to know today that I believe that there is opportunity for some saints of God. I believe ultimately the opportunity exists all over the world for all believers, true believers. I believe a door is opening I believe that there is a door that Father God wants or desires to open so that his children, his kids, his saints, his people, his adopted sons and daughters, his sons and daughters will enter in to this open door in this hour and access the revelation 
the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the comprehension. In other words, there's a door that is opening when God, this is just, I'm just foretelling you what the Spirit of the Lord has been downloading in our hearts. God is ready to open a door and he wants you to access it. He wants you to enter in. We know in the book of Revelation chapter 4, there was a door opened in heaven and John was taken up and he went in to the very throne room of God. You need to know that beyond the veil of your own understanding, beyond what your natural eyes can see or your senses could sense or feel or your emotions could bring you into, that there is an experience, a spiritual valid experience. And you and I who are born again qualify to access. We've already been granted access according to Romans chapter 5. We are granted access into this grace wherein we stand. But I want you to know throughout the history of the world and at different times, God has allowed men and women to access the eternities, the realm of heaven. Isaiah, for example, was brought into the very throne room of God, and he saw the train of his robe fill the temple. He saw the cherubim. This was Isaiah. He was a simple young man, a prophet. We know that God opened the eyes to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel saw the visions of God and the chariot of God and the wheels within wheels having eyes. He saw amazing things way beyond what is here on earth. It was beyond a feeling. It was beyond his imagination. It was beyond emotion. What these men were seeing were things in the spirit of God, which is a much huger reality, just like the Andromedia galaxy is a much larger galaxy than the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, it's massive. And so the heavens are massive. And yet we haven't accessed them, but God is opening a door in our generation. Yet throughout history, others have accessed these portals. Moses was taken into a portal. He saw the burning bush and it did not consume away. We go out throughout time. Jeremiah saw the visions of God. Paul the apostle in the new covenant was taken into the third heaven. He heard things that were not permissible for him to speak on this earth. He didn't know if he was in his body or out of his body. He just knows that he went to a place called paradise. The apostle John, again, the heavens were open to him. He accessed a portal and went into the very presence of God and saw the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all the myriads of angels. He heard them singing, holy, holy, holy. He had a revelation of the future. We know that the 500 witnesses on the Mount of Olives, when the Lord was taken up, that the heavens were open and they saw a cloud receive him out of their sight. What was that cloud? It was a cloud of angels. It was a cloud of angels. Daniel chapter 7 is very clear about this, that the, he was, the clouds took the, the Lord. So clouds have intelligence? No, it was the glory cloud of the angels of God, the witnesses of God. And so those 500 saw the heavens open. We know that Stephen, while he was being stoned, and they were throwing rocks at him. He saw the heavens opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw it. We know that when Jesus was being baptized, the heavens were open. There was a voice. We know on the Mount of Transfiguration that the eyes of the apostles were opened when they saw Moses and Elijah. And they heard the voice of God speaking out of the cloud.
And we could go on with the testimonies, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of the realm of the Spirit of God. And what God wants you and I to know in our generation, that there is a door opening. And the purpose of that door opening for you and I to access so that we might receive the revelation, the mystery, the strategy, the knowledge, the purpose of God for our generation. In other words, Ecclesia of God, we need an experience with God right now like we've never had before. We need truth. We need light. We need color to come back into our lives and our existence. And I believe that God is saying by his spirit, I am prophesying to you that a genuine door is being opened by God Almighty. And you are hearing this message because he wants you to begin to prepare yourself to enter in through that door when it opens, and it's going to open wide. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed that the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation would be given to the saints of God. We need the spirit of revelation to unveil the mysteries. One of the things we talked about last night in our Bible study is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, how that when we pray in tongues, no man understands that tongue. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people say, well, tongues was somebody speaking Chinese and then they had an interpreter. No. 1 Corinthians 14. I got to read it. I'm going to do it, do it, do it. Because I got to tell you how powerful tongues really are. And what a gift that God gave us in the Holy Spirit. But one of the giftings within the gift of the Holy Spirit is this gift of tongues. And listen to how Paul says it. He says, follow after charity in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow after charity. Go after it, right? And desire spiritual gifts, okay? But rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue, listen to this now. So the idea is go after love. Love is always the bedrock bottom line. Love is more than anything. Always go after love. But rather that you may prophesied, desire spiritual things or spiritual gifts. But the most important one, Paul says, is prophesy. I'm prophesying to you right now about an open door. And I know it's from the Holy Spirit. And it's going to happen. And somebody is going to access it. And they're going to come out of the heavens with the glory of God. And they're going to be able to deposit into the lives of people. But not through vain imagination. Not through cleverly concealed ideas. No, this is going to be in the throne room of God. Like John went into the throne, he brought the revelation. The entire book of Revelation came out of heaven for you and I to study it. But I do believe that God has not exhausted his portals and windows. He opens the windows of heaven. There are doors, portals, and that this is a time where the heavens are going to open to an elect people, the saints of God. He wants us to enter in. Now, I'm prophesying that to you by the Spirit of the Lord so you can understand it. But he says, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue or a tongue, speaks not unto men, but unto God. So stop thinking that tongues is waiting for a Chinese brother to come into your English-speaking church and then having a Chinese interpreter to tell you what he's saying. That is not what the scriptures say. What the scriptures say is that there is an unknown tongue that speaks not unto men. This is not about a Chinese man speaking and having an interpretation because that's speaking unto men. This tongue speaks unto God. When you are praying in tongues, when you are praying with the gift of the Spirit, and you say, well, how do I know it's not just babble? How do I know it's not demonic? 
Well, if you ask God for fish, is he going to give you a stone? You need to have faith that you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit and that these other gifts or impartations are valid. And you need to be able to have the freedom to express in worship. Now, there is a divine purpose for tongues. Number one, it is a direct communication to God. Now, listen, the devil hates that. Because he knows what I'm saying right now. He knows what the Chinese man is saying right now. He knows what all the languages of the world are saying right now. But the only language he cannot discern is the gift of tongues, the language of tongues. He cannot discern it or understand it. He doesn't know what to do with it. So his best war against it was to nullify it, make it be something that is, uh, has ceased. It, it was just satanic. It was wrong. And that's what he did with a lot of the other gifts of the spirit and what God wanted for the church. He ripped off a lot of people, but I'm telling you, you want to pray in tongues. Why? Because it's a direct communication from your spirit to his spirit. And it's all a gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, you talk unto God for no man understands him. When you're praying in tongues, there's no person on this earth that's going to come and understand what you're saying unless there is the second gift associated with tongues known as the interpretation of tongues, the interpretation, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so no man understands him. How be it? In the Spirit, in the Spirit, when you're praying in tongues, he speaks mysteries. Hallelujah. So when you are emboldened by the Spirit of God, when your faith is alive and you understand that you have a gift and it's under the Lord and from the Lord and you're praying in the Spirit, you are speaking mysteries. And oftentimes those mysteries are unveiled and revealed to maybe one who's standing by or even the gift of interpretation in your own self that the Holy Spirit's just going to give you an ability to pray in the Spirit Download a mystery and speak it forth in an interpretation so people don't think you're crazy. And it's not just a religious thing to do. There's purpose behind this, but it's more than that. It says in verse 3, but he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification. I just prophesied to you and will continue to prophesy to you about an open door that God is wanting you to become aware of. And when it opens, he wants you to access it. He wants you to go in, okay? And that open door is going to be a, a, an opening into revelation, wisdom, knowledge, comprehension, okay? Light and truth, that open door is into the spiritual kingdom of God. And this is where, man, he saw the Lamb of God. He saw Jesus Christ, John I'm speaking of in Revelation. So he set a precedence for a future generation, both Paul and John, both accessing paradise, you need two to confirm something. And so there is a precedent set that people will access. But in our generation, it's not just individuals. I believe congregations are actually going to be caught up in the spirit and congregations during the time of worship, during the time of preaching the word of God. When our hearts are together and there's sanctification, I believe that a hungry people are going to be met with an open door opportunity and we are going to be fed the food of heaven like we've never been fed before. I believe this is prophesying to you. Now, he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. 
He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So when you're by yourself, what you want to do is you want to pray in tongues. You just all day long, when you're by yourself, edify yourself, speak mysteries, seek the gift of interpretation, pray in the spirit, direct communication between you and God. And when you do that, even though you may not have the mystery unveiled, even though you may not know, you still are communing with God and your spirit will be built up. You will edify yourself. Now, when you get into a public gathering, now is the time to exercise the gift of prophecy or to allow the spirit of interpretation to bring forth the mysteries that you had been praying in tongues out into the open. Man, this is just a beautiful way to conduct ourselves before the King of glory, especially in a time of darkness and deception and lies and trickery and confusion. People don't know which way to go. When you pray in the spirit, you are edifying yourself. Mysteries are being revealed and God is directing your path. And when you're amongst the brethren and you prophesy, you are bringing direction and wisdom to their lives as well. What a beautiful Holy Spirit we have been given. But he that prophesies edifies the church. That's what Paul's really after is the edification of the church. He said, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So I believe what is accessible to us is both. I, I believe we can both prophesy and speak in tongues and have the gift of interpretation. Why? because it is the self-same Holy Spirit that contains all of these impartations. The Holy Spirit has tongues, the gift of interpretation, prophesying. The Holy Spirit is in you. So how much do you want to exercise or walk in the Spirit and become acquainted with the Holy Spirit determines how deep you want to go with God, how far you want to go with God. So I just know, and I'm prophesying to you, I'm telling you there's a door. And I don't know about you, but I believe that when this door opens, there's going to be a fresh baptism. There's going to be a renewing and a reviving of our lives. I believe that the doldrum and the boredom and the gray atmosphere on this earth, there's going to come the color and the shout of heaven with something that is going to bring a refreshing Remember the Bible talked about seasons of refreshing, times of refreshing that will come from the presence of the Lord? Well, I believe that time is here, and I believe that our generation is about to experience it. And I'm not talking, you know, if people have had their experiences with God, and they're going in, and they're coloring their hair, and they're acting goofy, and they're saying God has pink hair or whatever, you know, fine. Let their words be true. But when they say they're accessing the Spirit of God, and they come out, and their words have not been fulfilled— well, I caution myself in that. What I'm looking for, what you should be looking for, is access ourselves into something that God imparts and reveals that when we speak it, it will become a reality, period. That's the way it should work. That's as accurate as it possibly could be. Now, John goes into heaven in the book of Revelation. He's shown the entire history of the church age, the future, and the millennial kingdom of Christ that will come. He sees everything, everything in the spirit. 
He comes out. He writes it down in a book. The book is sealed until the time of the end. And then when God's ready, he opens up the seals. And every time a seal is open, our understanding opens. Why? Because the word seal in the Greek at the root means understanding or to understand. So every time a seal is broken, the seal comes off our mind as well. It's like a simultaneous act to those who are involved in this. And then the understanding, the revelation, the wisdom, the knowledge, the truth become evident to us. So I'm hungry and thirsty for more of God. So are you. And I believe God is opening a door and, I, and it's interesting when we're talking about open doors right now that uh, he opened a door when the children of Israel were ready to leave Egypt 3,500 years ago. He says that Paul prayed that there would be a door of opportunity or the opening of an effectual door to minister the gospel. I'm sure if I did a study on the doors opening to the kingdom of God that we would find many proofs of open doors that led to the advancement of the kingdom of Christ on this earth, the kingdom of God, and the glory of God. In our generation right now, we need a door. We need an access point into something that will guide and direct, inspire, refresh each and every one of us. Praise God. I'm prophesying this to you by the Spirit, I believe. I'm going to go after it. I hope you're going to go after it. I am looking for an open door, but not just personally, singularly. I also, can you imagine a congregation of godly men and women who have surrendered their lives, taken up their crosses, have allowed for the spirit of sanctification to wash, cleanse, and heal them, to deliver them from all demonic activity of the soul, and they're in worship before God, and suddenly that congregation is taken into the spirit or the kingdom of God manifests like uh, uh, like a like a, a drape a robe coming over the people and bringing them into something that is divine why not that has happened from the beginning of time from the beginning of time Jesus appeared to his disciples when they were gathered on you know I think sometimes Lord why don't you just come down off your throne I knew you stand up But why don't you come down into our environment again? Do you know the book of Acts actually says in chapter 3 that the heavens must receive or keep Jesus? The heavens have to keep him until the times of restitution of all things. And you know that restitution normally happens at the end of a war. Reparation, restitution, restoration, all these ideas. Well, he must remain in the heavens until the times of restitution of all things. That means he can send glory. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God can open the portals. That's obvious because John was a New Testament apostle, so was Paul, and portals open, and they went in to paradise. The Lord doesn't come until his time is ready. That's why even when he comes after the great tribulation, he remains in the clouds. He doesn't even come to earth until the right time, right? And that's in Revelation 19. So anyways, that's how I wanted to open the broadcast today. I'm hungry for an open door. I believe God is prophesying it, and I believe it's coming. Now, I want to talk to you about something, and I, I'm telling you, buckle up your seatbelt. Buckle up right now. We're going we're gonna to look at something I hope is not just intriguing, but is genuine and truth 
and will help us to understand and promote within us a greater compassion and mercy than we've ever known before. And if we really understand this, it may shift our thinking for the rest of our lives into eternity. So I want to go into it. We talked about it last night in our Bible study. And it's in Revelation chapter 17. And so if you want to turn with me to Revelation chapter 17, I'm going to go there. Praise the Lord. Oh, open door, open door, open door. Let's pray for the doors to open. Pray for an open door. Oh, Father God, open the gates, open the doors, open the windows, open the pathways, open the portals so that a spiritual people can access a spiritual reality, a spiritual kingdom, receive spiritual things and bring them down and impart them to the nations of the earth, particularly the sons and daughters of the Most High God, and have a strategy for winning souls different than what we've ever known before. Simple, always go preach the gospel. They who believe will be saved, those who do not believe shall be damned. Bottom line, simple, but give us an ability, fresh, energized, inspired, renewing, that when everything's waxing down, the new wine comes in the third day. And that party on that wedding in Galilee on the third day, it was people were getting bored. They were getting tired. There was nothing good. Suddenly Yeshua shows up and he gives them new wine. They drink the new wine. They say, this is better than the first wine. And normally people give the best at the beginning, but you save the best for last. We're in the last days and the new wine is coming so that there would be a best anointing and the manifestation of the glory of God coming through a people who have accessed the portals into his presence. I don't want to pretend though. And I'm not pretending. I don't need some vain imagination or some, you know, some idea. Uh -uh. Nope, it's got to be a real deal. You ready? Let's go. Revelation 17.1. You're going to hear something. 95% of you are going to hear something you have never heard before. I know you know you believe it's right. I know what you believe you've got is the best. Bring this into it as well, okay? Consider this. Consider this deeply. There came one of the seven angels. This is Revelation 17.1. Which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. I want you to know, I am going to describe to you what I believe to be true, who the great whore is. Bottom line, bedrock, reality. And I'm going to leave it to your consideration, to your judgment, your discernment as to whether or not what I'm about to say to you is true or not. I believe it with all of my heart. And I'm going to allow the word of God to bring interpretation to it. Okay? The Bible interprets itself. So we're seeing John again being apprehended and he's being taken 
to see the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Verse 2, it says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the first thing we know is that this great whore fornicates. She's an adulteress. Okay? There's, there's, uh, the word you're going to hear a lot this morning is union. There's a union going on. We're going to get to the union. So we know that this great whore is a fornicator and that the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk. They've committed fornication with the wine of her fornication. Wine actually oftentimes represents words. They mix the water with the wine, the water of knowledge, the words. So um, doctrine, wine, uh, I drop my words like dew. And so there's, there's an allegorical reality in wine and water. But nonetheless, she, uh, the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. We don't need to go into that too deeply right now. Let's go to verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit. Don't you love it? John just keeps getting carried away in the spirit. You want to get carried away in the spirit? I do. So he's carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. Now, if you'll notice, and I'll just turn to it in my Bible in Revelation chapter 12, I want to show you the scarlet colored beast because the word scarlet there, I'll give you the actual definition, but it simply just means the scarlet color is crimson red. And so the word scarlet is crimson. Uh, It comes from the grain or berry of the Ilex cosifera. These berries are the clusters of the eggs of a female insect, which was the Kermes, uh, and it resembled the cochineal. And when collected and pulverized, produces a red, which was used in dyeing. Okay, so we have a scarlet red beast. That's what it means. Now, you'll notice in Revelation chapter 12, it says in verse 3, There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. All right, I want to stop right there. So the dragon has seven heads and ten horns. In verse 3 of Revelation 17, I saw, uh, I saw a woman sit upon a crimson red colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So this seven-headed, ten-horned, red beast is the dragon. So the woman is sitting upon the dragon. Who is the dragon? Well, we're going to look at that in just a moment. The dragon, I want to go on just for a little bit, verse 4, Revelation 17, 4. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. All right, so that's a pretty cool description. Some people say that's Babylon. It is Babylon. But some people say it's Rome. You know, that is the external 
we're going to go a little bit deeper than just that. We're going to go deeper than what some people would say is Jerusalem or some people say is America, what some people say is Rome or what some people would say was Egypt or Assyria or Babylon or Greece or any of the other empires, okay? So this woman, she's arrayed in a particular outfit, purple, scarlet color, decked with gold, precious stones, pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations, filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, and upon her forehead was a name written. So here's the name of the great whore, okay? Her name is Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Hmm. Verse 6, we're going to talk about it. Believe me, we're going to break it down. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, let's stop. You ready? Here we go. We're going to talk now. Who is this? Who is this? Well, I want to read to you out of Genesis chapter 3. If you'll turn with me to Genesis Chapter 3. Okay, let's see. All right. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 20. Genesis 3, 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve was the mother of all living. We're going to Revelation. We're looking at a woman. She's a great whore. She's a fornicator. She's an adulteress. She is drunk with the blood of the saints. Her name is Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Who is she? Well, again, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, the name Eve simply means the first woman, the life giver, is the kavah, Kava. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, Eve gives birth to Cain after the fall, her firstborn. Cain, his name in the Hebrew means possession. He is the eldest son of Adam and Eve and the first murderer, having murdered his brother Abel. So Eve gives birth in the fall to a murderer. She's drunk with the blood of the saints of God throughout the history of the world. What I'm saying to you, what I believe in the scriptures, 
is that mystery Babylon the Great, this great whore, is Eve. Let me consider another thought with you. Well, we know that Eve was alone one day in the Garden of Eden. And we know that she went to the tree. And we know that a serpent was there. Who is this serpent? Well, I want to look real quick to Revelation chapter 20. Okay? Revelation chapter 20, just so we're not uh, confused by this at all. Revelation chapter 20 says in verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. All right, so the dragon is the old serpent, the devil and Satan. So when you go back to the garden, there was a woman, and we'll just go back and read the story, and you know what it says in verse 1, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now what's happening here? There's a conversation going on between Eve and the serpent. Between Eve and the serpent. The serpent is speaking seduction. Eve is listening. She's receiving. Words are seed. Jesus said in the parable of the soils that the sower went out to sow. Seed. The seeds were the messages, the words of the kingdom. Words are seeds. Jesus also said, the words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. The word that the devil would speak are spirit but tend towards death. And that's what's happening in the Garden of Eden. Eve is positioned to receive seed, words, spirit inside of her that will produce death. She doesn't know it now because she's being seduced by the seducer, the serpent, the dragon. So go back to the beginning of time and you have this dragon and Eve unionizing. There's a union. Now, some people take the serpent seed idea that the dragon had sexual intercourse with Eve, and that was her firstborn. I'm not going there, all right? I just want you to know, I'm not going there at this time. What I know without speculation is that that serpent, that dragon, was unionizing by putting his spirit, his words, inside of her, and she was receiving them or she was conceiving those words into her heart. That we know. Which means she who was supposed to conceive the words of God to produce life 
is now committing adultery and she's receiving from another source the words that are going to produce death everywhere. This is very clear. This is very simple. Eve, at that moment of receiving seed from another source, becomes a whore. She becomes an adulteress. She becomes a fornicator. She's fornicating with the dragon, which means that in the very beginning, there was a union in the spirit between this woman, Eve, and the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan. There's no doubt about this. Now, see law that for just a moment. I want to just fast forward to a few other ideas. Number one, I want to read out of Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 18. I want to talk to you about this woman, okay? Now, Jeremiah 7, 18 says, The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of commentary on Jeremiah chapter 7. And here's what it says about Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 18. The queen of heaven was a name for Ishtar. Okay, so now we have these names of women here. Ishtar, the Mesopotamian goddess of love and fertility. After the fall of Jerusalem, the refugees from Judah who fled to Egypt continued to worship her. A papyrus dating from the 5th century B.C. found at Hermopolis in Egypt mentions the queen of heaven among the gods honored by the Jewish community living there. What are we talking about? So there's some woman called the queen of heaven. She's a spirit. She's a mystery. But they're worshiping her as a goddess of fertility and love. Listen to this in Jeremiah chapter 44. In Jeremiah chapter 44, I find this amazing, verse 17 Jeremiah 44:17 says but we this is the response of the people in their rebellion against God okay but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goes forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes, remember, she's, uh, the kings of the earth commit fornication with her in Revelation 17. The people are speaking to Jeremiah the prophet saying, we're going to worship her. Why? In the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then, when we worshiped her, we had plenty of victuals, or, victuals and were well and saw no evil. In other words, these people are saying, when we were worshiping the queen of heaven, the mother goddess, we did well. We had our needs met. And as we said last night, this is Wiccan worshipers as well who worship the mother earth and the goddess and all these different things. We'll get into that in just a moment. But they went on to say in verse 18, but since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things. Man, we're just not getting what we desire. 
but we get what we desire when we worship the queen of heaven. That's what they were saying because they weren't getting from Yahweh what they desired because their hearts were not turned towards him. They were in rebellion. They just were selfish and wanted God to be their genie, right? It's not what God wanted though. Now verse, it went on to say, and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? No. In other words, we did this. We all were involved in baking cakes and bringing offerings and worshiping the queen of heaven. Who was she? She was Eve, the mother of all living. This is mankind reverting back to the queen of heaven. Her name is Ishtar. Her name is Astarte. Her name, as you're going to see in a moment, is Diana the Great. And isn't it Mystery Babylon the Great? Who is mystery? You're going to see in the New Testament right now. Let's go there. But I want to read verse 25 first of Jeremiah 44. says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. You will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. So God's saying, all right, you're going to worship the queen of heaven. So be it, you will. Now, stop, just see law for a moment. And I want to just bring an idea to you. I want to bring an idea before I go into the book of Acts. I need you to understand this right now, okay? Because this is where compassion and mercy, I think, are going to grow. Every human being on this planet that has ever existed came from the womb of Eve. She's the mother of all living. The problem is our mother in the flesh, is a whore. I don't mean to sound degrading, but it's the truth. Our mother was a whore, she was an adulteress, and she fornicated. And because of her adultery, because of her fornication, because of her being a whore and allowing the satanic to take over. Now, I want you to consider this. What God intended Eve and Adam to be was to receive of himself, his word, get it in, and procreate life out of the spirit of God. But with her fornication, that was her intended. That was in her DNA. That was the intention of God. Be fruitful and multiply. That was downloaded in Mrs. Adam. Her name is Eve. That was downloaded in her. That's at the core of who she is. However, she partook, she committed adultery and fornication with the devil. And so only thing she can produce now is what entered into her from the devil. The purpose of God is buried. The purpose of God is broken. Now, the only thing that Eve can produce is a murderer named Cain. And then there was another child, and he was murdered by Cain, and then came Seth, and then came the spawning of every living thing on this earth. Now, can you imagine? There's a book, you may want to look at it, first few chapters, called The Book of Adam and Eve. 
the book of Adam and Eve. It's an extra biblical text. It's online. You could find it. And basically what the story is all about is the internal psychological, solical impact that the rebellion against God had upon Adam and Eve. It talks about them being thrust out of the garden into a wilderness of hissing and howling and thorns and thistles and the internal environment of their soul. Incredible book. First few chapters. I want you to know that God's intention for Adam and Eve was to reproduce after their kind, which was after the kind that God had put in them, in a garden. Now, Eve and Adam are thrust out of the garden, and Eve is always reproducing. She's always procreating. The spirit of Eve is a procreative spirit. Eve is always giving birth to something. That's why she's called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Spirit of Eve is one of the highest ranking principalities that we deal with. Okay? Because I want you to get behind the scenes to the torment of this spirit. It's like a woman that had married and she fell in love with a man. They had children, but she did something. A bad moment came along, and she committed adultery with another man. And because of that adultery, her husband divorced her. Her children left her, and she was left without. And the internal torment, because the lover that she committed adultery with was really not loving her, she had sinned. And now, in her condition... She is tormented, and all she wants to do is gather her children back to her and bring back to her her husband. And so she's reaching out, but she can't find them. And so she attempts over and over and over to reproduce. But she's no longer in a garden. So now, rather than reproducing life in a garden, in a beautiful experience, now it's in cities. Now it's in brick and mortar, and she's trying to find a lover to, oh, to procreate and, and bring forth a society and have all those children gathered because she's longing for something that she lost. Oh, what a pursuit. Oh, what a sad reality for Eve. The spirit, her spirit is not at rest. She needs to have the family. She needs to have her lover. She, and she, so she goes from one to another trying to produce a society. She produces Egypt. She produces Assyria. She produces Babylon. She produces uh, the Grecian Empire, the Medio persian Empire, the Roman Empire. She produces all these nations of the earth with a one-world global mindset. Bring the children to me. I need a husband and children. She's operating out of a brokenness. You stand back. It reminds me of what my friend and brother in the Lord, Joel Richardson, Richardson shared, with us, shared with me on a radio broadcast many years ago when he was talking about Ishmael. He said, Vince, have you ever really stopped to think what Ishmael was actually feeling within His father, Abraham, sent him away into the wilderness. He was the firstborn son of Abraham. And yet, he was sent away with his mother, Hagar, 
What does that feel like? Here's where compassion, compassion for these people, right? And I'm going to explain why. But these are now spirits. Eve's spirit, Ishmael's spirit. Eve's spirit is moving in the global agenda of things. She's the queen of heaven. She is Ishtar. She is Astarte. Now, in Acts chapter 19, who is she? In Acts chapter 19, here's what we read, verse 24. Acts chapter 19, verse 24. And here's what it says. I'll start in 23. The same time there arose no small stir about that way for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this hour craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worships, there you have Revelation 17, mystery Babylon the great. And when John looked at her, he wondered with admiration for her magnificence. What was he seeing in the spirit? Going on, verse 28, when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. What is Babylon? Mystery Babylon the Great. What is Babylon? Confusion. What happened in the Garden of Eden when Eve received and conceived the serpent's seed? Confusion came into the world. It's all confusion. Adultery, fornication, whoredom, conception, conceiving the seed of the dragon, producing offspring that murders She's drunk with the blood. Who is this? Well, here it's Diana. And then it says, And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions to travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. That's what mystery does. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. What are we even doing here? And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Alexander beckoned with his hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana. Why is this even important? Going back to Revelation chapter 17. I want to know about this union that began in the garden 
And you know this woman that rides, she's seated on a beast, the scarlet color. She's, she's riding the dragon. And what that speaks of is a union. Mystery, Babylon, Mother Eve, the great whore. Now watch this. I know there's compassion, but listen. Does the Bible teach that God is a jealous God? He does. When Eve fornicated with the dragon, the serpent, that was a direct adulterous act against God, against his word, against his purpose. The judgment that came upon Eve and the whole human race was condemnation and death. Romans chapter 5. Through one man's sin, and that man there was not Adam singularly, it was the, one, the man was male and female, but it was the female portion of that man that actually transgressed. First Timothy chapter 2, Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Eve committed the transgression. Adam was not deceived, but Eve and she committed the transgression. That's in your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 to the end talks about this whole thing. So, what do you think so far? God, being a jealous God, brought judgment on the entire Adamic human race. Can anybody refute that? Is anybody going to say, well, you're blaming Eve for everything? The first thing that the male portion of man did, Adam, he said, when God said, what did you do? He says, this woman you gave me, she did something. Okay, we're going to leave Adam alone for a moment. We're going to bring him in. He's got his own responsibilities to bear in this, and he has a place in all of this as well. But right now, we're talking about a queen of heaven. We're talking about Nimrod, his mother. We're talking about all the mythological uh, things that go on in the heavenly realms I mean, there was no actual queen that the children of Israel were pouring out oblations to. It was a spirit of the queen of heaven. Diana was a spirit. Jupiter, all contextually with all the mythologies of the world. Eve is the spirit. She is mystery Babylon. She has never stopped with the ambitious desire to have a family and she fornicates with every king to have the children to bring them all under because that was the intended purpose of God but that purpose has been perverted and she can't produce God's purpose Eve can't do it any longer Adam's race, the human race can't do it anymore the spirit of Eve wants it but every time she reproduces, it's never according to the original intent. It turns out to be an empire. And who's behind it? The dragon. The only one really satisfied in all of this is the serpent. The dragon, the devil, Satan. He's the only one because he got his DNA, his seed, into that woman named Eve. She paid a horrible price. And it is day she can't stop reproducing the devil's desire 
But in Revelation 17, she does come to an end. I want to ask you a question. If God is a jealous God and he does not permit his people to fornicate, commit adultery, or to act like whores, okay, or whoremongers, this casual Christianity that we're in right now where we have a woman called the church, oh, there's another mystery, huh? This woman called the church, but everybody's got that drinks out of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. They, they're in the bed of Jezebel, another manifestation of Eve, by the way, Jezebel. So Eve's spirit is in all of these things, right? But this church that one sister said yesterday watches pornography, uses drugs, has abortions, gossips, walks in pride, has slander, acts like Adam, has all the, you know, all the natural Adamic things. Remember, everything Adamic came out of Eve's womb. It cannot reproduce in the eternal purpose of God's original intent. So the flesh can produce nothing of value. And we have a church that walks in the flesh. Maybe you and I, we walk in the flesh and we call ourselves the bride of Christ. Is there a mystery counterfeit bride of Christ? Is there a whore in the house? Is there Eve's spirit in operation in this thing called the church? Because God's wrath upon this judgment against Babylon is harsh. Do you realize what has happened in this world since the fall? Since Eve sinned and committed adultery and fornication against God with the devil? Do you realize what's happened in this world? Death, famine, Pestilence, war, hate, satanic, vile, perverse, depraved, corruption. I mean, look at the world. That's all originating out of the womb of Eve. And she can't control it. She can't stop it. She can't help but desire a husband and children because that was in her. But it was supposed to be in a garden, in a beautiful atmosphere with the glory of God. But she took something else and brought it into this earth. And it has spawned and spread all over the world. And now in the last days, she's here. She's in America. She's like effulgencing all of her passion. She is now not just an Egyptian empire over there at that time. She's not just the Assyrian empire over there at that time. She's not just the Babylonian empire over there at that time. She's not just the Grecian empire over there at that time or the, uh, uh, the, the Medo-Persian empire over there. She's not just Rome over there at that time. She's now bringing the whole thing together from America to the United Nations to the ends of the earth and all the islands of the sea. She's now working to interconnect all the families. And the Antichrist, her husband, the king. It's all together now. Attempts throughout the beginning of time, from Nimrod on, all of it. Always, never ceasing, never ending. From the British Empire and every empire that comes to power, mystery gets in it, 
and it becomes what America has become today. And then they fall. She's the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Remember Jeremiah talked about the daughters of Babylon? And every daughter of Babylon has been destroyed. Every daughter of Eve, every empire, every attempt to produce a society. Well, now she's effulgencing. And her lover, oh, her Lucifer, her devil, her Satan, her dragon, her serpent, owns her. He owns her. And that's why when you and I are in the flesh, we're under the ownership of the devil, and he will not easily give up what belongs to him. The only way out of this is to be born again into Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The only way to be set free from Eve's never-ending desire to bring us together under that mantle and the devil's possession is through Jesus Christ's blood. He's the only way out. Every other mystery religion, every other philosophy, every other mindset, all knowledge, all intellect, everything else is contained within the blood and the DNA of mystery. And when you step out, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now the, the Jerusalem above is the mother of us all. Eve is no longer our mother, but the Jerusalem above is the mother of us all. What a mystery that is, a glorious mystery. Whew, you like saying, come on. Now, the judgment that is going to come in Revelation 17, he's saying, I want to show you the judgment of the great whore. Now, it goes on into detail, and it talks about it. Let's go a little bit further here in Revelation 17, uh, verse 7, because basically it's going to talk about these seven mountains or seven kings. But I, what I've done here today is I want to get you behind all of that, behind the scenes of these kings, these empires, of these mountains, of these horns, behind all of it is Eve. Now, there are people that have gone through great lengths to study the mystery religions and the mythological gods, and they have done an amazing, amazing job. There's a union that has never been broken between Eve and the serpent. The promise that we have, the hope that we have, God says that that will come to an end. And I'm sure that the spirit of Eve will be relieved of the torment she has had to try to produce what she can no longer produce, what she was originally intended to produce. I want you to consider your mother. Maybe you know someone that has had a mother that got into alcoholism or committed adultery and the whole family was broken because of her actions. Behind the scenes, behind closed doors, she's weeping, grieved, and mourning. She lost her children. They don't want her anymore. She lost her husband. He doesn't love her anymore. 
she is living in a state, and so she tries to marry another man and adopt another family or do it again, but she can't do it. The only way out is through Jesus Christ. This, when you read in Ephesians chapter 6, I wanted to bring this to your attention. In Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul says these incredible words in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Christian saints, you need to know that your mother still wants you back. You need to know that your mother wants you to come under her wing. She wants you. And the, the devil that put that seed in her, he wants you. He was your father what the Bible says in Ephesians again in chapter 2 we were all the children of wrath children of the devil Jesus said of the scribes and Pharisees your father is the devil finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil He wants you back. He wants you back. He believes you're his possession because you came out of the womb of the woman that he fornicated with, all of Adam's race. You've been born again. You're starting a new nature, living a new life. He wants you back. And everything that's going on in that spirit is designed to take you back. But Paul said, stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Well, Eve is a principality. Against powers. There's a power. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, saints of God. We are battling a spirit that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And because you are a human being, those spirits, the mother and the father, want you back. And it's satanic. And they can only bring you back into destruction. They want to coddle the world. One world, one world. Now you know what's behind it. You feel sorry for your mother. Maybe some of the children feel sorry that mom is in the condition she's in. She's tormented. She's broken. She's alcoholic. She's out of her mind. She's drunk with the blood of the saints. And you have compassion. You say, my God, look what has happened to you because of your sin. Look what has happened to you. The true church of Jesus Christ is not going to be a whore. The true church of Jesus Christ is not a harlot. God does not play games with this. God is going to have a people that are really his people. They don't fornicate with this world. They are not idolaters. They do not love the world. They have nothing to do. They touch not the unclean thing. They want nothing to do with the spirit of this age, the decor of this earth at this present time, but are looking forward to a new decor. And in the interim, they're in the world, not of the world, to be salt and light in the world and to declare the purposes of God. 
Well, it is all going to come down. So that's kind of my thought today. And uh, we'll go over here and see if anybody got anything out of that. Let's take a look at our chat room. If you have any questions or comments, you're welcome to call 818-369-0326. I see Brother Mark was with us all morning this morning. Good morning, Mark. Melissa Fletcher says, good morning, all the way from South Dakota. Good morning, David Ellison. Good rainy morning. Yes, sir, it is. River of Fire Ministries. That's right, Pastor Dave and Victoria. Shalom to you. We'll be seeing you in May. Looking forward to it as well. Uh, Cindy, good morning to our sister Cindy. God bless you. David says, Daniel 10, 20, 21, what is the book of truth? How many princes are there? Does each country have one? I don't know. Sarah Anchorman, good morning. How are you? We need to search it out, though, David. I was thinking about you, Sarah. Trust you're doing well and that all is going good for you. Uh, Sharon Evans, good morning, and good morning back to you, Sharon. Cindy says, good morning, Sarah. Bless you, sister. Brenda Palmer has a good morning. Laquita praises God. Come Holy Spirit. Carol Carey, good morning. Lost YouTube on TV. It's coming on in on my phone. Praise the Lord. Laquita says, Lord, please open the portals of heaven and manifest your presence through your people. Wow, I want that. Me too, Laquita. Carol Carey, that great whore, I believe, is the RCC. Well, now I hope you know who she really is. She's Eve Spirit manifesting in all these offshoots. Sarah says, Cindy Messerman, good morning to you. Janet Ruth, preach it. Jim, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man. Yes, that's the scripture. All right, Jim, very good. David Ellison, is Satan and Lucifer two different beings? I think they're one of the same substance, quite frankly. Uh, Carol Carey, the Vatican, one of the richest entities on earth, the wealth-spoken, right, Mother Mary in, in, the, in, the, in the terrible sense of the mystery religions. It's another manifestation of Eve, the mother of God, Mary. All right, Diane, good preaching, brother. Thank you, Diane. Kathy Bruns, Babylon is a system which is evil, which every nation has come under. It has fought God's kingdom ever since the fall in the garden. That's right, because it's under the control of Eve. She's the mother of all. She's Mystery Babylon. All right, YouTube's having problems. Uh, Let people decide as we look at the options. Okay, here's my argument for this topic, says Jim. All right, so you say... What do we do with this information? I guess understanding will help us to really see what our journey is all about. You know, I can't help but think about being born again from the womb of another woman, the womb of Jerusalem above. I mean, how beautiful is she? the mother of us all, a woman that gives birth to a man-child. This sanctified, glorious church without spot and wrinkle, no blemish, filled with light and glory. Revelation 21 says that she's effulgencing all the colors of light. She's as clear as crystal, manifesting forth the light and the glory. That's our mother in the spirit. Do we understand how valuable and important it is to be born again and to break the generational bloodline curse of Adam and Eve and to know that the second man from heaven is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, Adam 
first man of the earth, second man from heaven, Jesus Christ, that he has become our head? Well, praise the Lord. How does that measure up to everything going on in the world? Well, I think if we understand who our enemy is, that we could stand stronger. But what about you? Shirley Wolseley, I thank you for opening that thought. It all comes to my understanding now. Eve, the great whore. You got it. She is. And a lot of people don't want to say that, but she is. She's the one that unioned with the serpent. And her union is intact until the end of time, until the final judgment comes upon her and all of her systems and all of her empires, which she's going to gather together in the last days as one. And, you know, you do, you sit back and you say, okay, well, what's the point of all of that? You know, okay, now we understand that. Well, it's a mystery revealed. And when you begin to manifest attributes belonging to Eve, you can remember that she's not your mother anymore. You're born again. You're a new creation, a new species. Christ is your head. Jerusalem above, Galatians 4, is the mother of us all. And you belong to a beautiful, eternal glory. And that glory is Christ in you. He is the hope of glory and glorification. The present struggle is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. That these momentary trials and afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that Christ has given us. You belong to something beautiful. We have to have our minds renewed For we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. The armor that we put on is what? Truth, righteousness, not our own, but Christ's. Peace, faith, salvation, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we carry as new creatures born again growing up into Christ in all things. So if there's demonic possession going on, sickness, disease, psychological dysfunction, it's all because of the Adamic curse, the human-natured curse. The curse on Adam and Eve and their, their race never ends until the very end. It's there now. The only way for that curse to be broken off of your life is to receive Jesus Christ who became a curse. But when you receive Jesus Christ who became a curse, now it is your responsibility and mine to utilize the tools that he's been given to, that have been given to us to break the curse through our faith. Not just acknowledgement, I may acknowledge that Jesus took a curse so that I'm not cursed anymore, but not until my faith apprehends that promise and puts it to work to break the curse. And if there's anything on my life that is from the curse, then it has to be dealt with. 
too many Christians walking around saying that, you know, I'm free, I'm free, but are under the curse of Adam still. They're under the curse of Romans 5. They're under the curse of death. They're under the curse of condemnation. You know how many Christians that we know and have had to experience ourselves that are filled with condemnation? How is that possible if Jesus Christ broke the curse and condemnation and guilt and shame? How is it even possible? It's because mysteries, Mother Eve, spirit, is filled with guilt, shame, and condemnation for what she did. And that spirit of Eve is in her children. And if you're connected to her at all, she flows that into you. Being born again right now and having the mind of Christ and setting our mind on things above and not on the things of the earth is valuable and glorious. The internal environment is beautiful. It's the Garden of Eden on the inside again. It's not out here. Man, the wilderness is out here, but you and I are the Garden of the Lord, according to the book of Isaiah. We are his garden. We are to walk with him again in our spirit. They were led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. The environment of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace. That's internal. One day it's going to manifest all over this earth. When the judgment hits, all of the satanic menace that's in the world today. Can't wait for it. How about you? I want the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ to obliterate all the DNA of Eve and Adam out of my being. I don't want a trace left of Adam or Eve. And I'm not restricted or I'm not under a law that tells me you have to be connected to Adam and Eve. No, I'm not. The law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8 tells me that. And any preacher that tells you that you are restricted from accessing the liberty, they are lying to you. They are lying to you. You don't want one gene of Adam or Eve in your being. And you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you can begin to develop that divine nature and that image and that character of Christ, the new species, allowing his blood to flow through your veins. Jesus walked as a perfect man on this earth. Zero of Adam and Eve's DNA. None of it. He was tempted in every way, but did not sin. He was flesh and he was blood and bones, but he did not sin. The devil came to him and he said, he finds nothing in me. Nothing of Adam that the devil owns. Nothing of Adam's DNA that the devil possesses and calls his ownership. He couldn't find it in him. And through the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are to walk in a manner that the devil cannot 
find anything of ownership in our lives. From Adam and Eve, because we've been washed in the blood and we receive the word of God, we conceive the word of God and it produces a man-child within us, a new creation, a son, daughter of the Most High God. Now that is more important. All you're seeing in this world is Adam and Eve acting out. And it's going to be intensified because she's effulgencing. We could talk about Adam maybe tomorrow, his role in all of this, how he stood by and did nothing, but rather participated like an Ahab. So many men today have backed out of their responsibility. We'll talk about that and we'll address it. Stop worshiping the queen of heaven the goddess, the mother goddess. Stop worshiping Eve. She's wretched. She is wretched. In the eyes of God, she is a wretched whore. Your mother in the spirit is the most beautiful, elegant, divine-natured, sophisticated glory that you will ever dream. You are out of that stream. You're out of that womb. You're out of the seed of Christ. You have not been born again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, the word of God. And having said that, I'm going to have to say goodbye. I think nobody's... um... All right. Have a great day. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, keep working it out, keep searching it out, keep studying, keep praying, have compassion, mercy for what's happened to this world. It is a heartbreaking, pain-staking tragedy, what has happened. But God is in the restoration business, and he will have the last word. And he desires you and I and all who will come to be a part of his eternal purpose and reality in everlasting life. Separate yourself from the things of this world. That's Kodesh. That's holy. Be ye holy as he is holy, not in a religious facade, but in a separation from the things that are Adamic and human-natured and Eve-inspired. I really don't want to stop talking about it. To me, it, it, it swells in my belly. There's such life to know and understand, wow, this is what really happened. Our parents way back there, you know, it's like understanding generations. You see, it's this simple. The generational bloodline curse of Adam and Eve came upon the whole race. Now, 
in the third and fourth generations, hereditary sins, diseases, mom had a heart issue, I have a heart issue, dad had a, this, I had that, third and fourth generation, bloodline curses. The Bible talks a little bit about it. But it's so obvious that the curse is in the earth. And when people say, well, you're not cursed, it's true, but it has to become an experience for it to take root. I'm not under the curse anymore. Then stop living like you're cursed. Stop sweating by the brow to make a living. Stop conceiving and bearing children in pain. That's a curse. And so is everything else going on in this world that is contrary to the nature of Christ. Oh, that's impossible. It is. Not if you're born again. Not if you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not if you're moving in the right direction. If you're settling for the curse to be on you while saying, there is no curse, I'm blessed, but I have all these curses on me. What curses? Flesh nature? You operate out of that? Human nature? Flesh? Hate, pride, jealousy, envy, strife, division, debate, arrogance, whatever. Cursed. That is the curse, along with condemnation, guilt, shame, insecurity, fear, offense, all of that. It's a curse. So let's stop saying it, and let's start working in it. Now, here's the challenge. Now the devil. The devil doesn't care if you go to church and say you're not under the curse. Praise the Lord. woo Praise the Lord. I'm free from the curse. And yet your life is cursed. You walk in the flesh. Your mind is sick. You're double-minded. You're depression, schizophrenic, bipolar, filled with disease. You're telling me that's the blessed life? So you're only blessed in theory. The curse is only destroyed in theory. But God says it's better than theory. And this open door that God's ready to open that he wants you and I to walk through is probably going to be some kind of supernatural equipping to get this downloaded and understand it and get it right. I got a call coming in. All right, let's take the call. Good morning, area code 479-321. Welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind today? Hey, uh, how you doing, Pastor? I think I'm okay. Yeah, you sound good. Uh, Thank you. I'm not sure how closely related this is. This is something I'm working on. Like, for example, I think it's some 300 times in the Bible, mostly in New Testament, it talks Fear not. No, fear. I say that would be fear not what the world can do to you, but what the God can do. Amen. Then I look at the fear. I look at the fear of the Lord and the dread of the Lord, and these are kind of fears opposite. It means to my understanding, anyway. I thought maybe you might fill in some blanks. The fear of the Lord is to reverence Him. In awe of him and to heed him. And when it's 
showing up in me is like during prayer time, I let my wine wander, or I have. And during worship time, I let my wine wander, like, you know, what am I going to get for lunch? And the same thing for uh, during the message, the pastor brings. If anything distracts me, like, what am I going to get my car fixed or whatever, you're not really concentrating on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it could bring it. You let me experience a dread feeling one morning. And, oh, it's, it's even worse than fear. But I, I just want to get your take on it. Do, yeah. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's a tremendous conversation in a really good direction. And the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord and don't fear anything going on in the world. And what I thought about while you were speaking was because we're seeing the liberty from the curse does not mean that we don't suffer persecution. I mean, obviously, the reason why we suffer persecution is because we're coming away from that control, that controlling spirit of the mother, Eve. And so she wants us back. There's control, desire to, you know, to all these things. And so we suffer for coming out of her. And yet we're not to be afraid of that suffering or that persecution or that tribulation or those trials. We can place our faith and our trust and our confidence in Christ and the Holy Spirit to bring us through and only fear God and reverence God, who's in the control of everything. Is that close? Yeah, it is. All right. All right, awesome. It is. Uh, it's just the one morning I was trying to put pray about fear of the Lord, my mind kept being uh, distracted. And when I was walking towards the kitchen, uh, the Lord put tenuous hold in my mind. In other words, a tenuous hold, or tenuous is kind of like thin. Okay. Uh, it's, it doesn't have no depth. You know, it's like, uh, oh, in a church in Philadelphia, it talks, talks about you have a little strength. And I kind of connect those two. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Well, no, it's good. Yeah, that's good. Putting it, putting it all together. That's what this is all about, right, Phil? Just putting it all together. And that's that's what I'm working on. Your words help. Uh, Thank you. It's still, uh, I enjoy uh, researching the things like fear of the Lord is only in the Bible about 300 times. Dread of the Lord, I think, is 27. Wow. Uh, fear of man is like 300 or so in the New Testament. Yeah, especially when you see the, the punishment that comes upon evil by God from God or, the, you yeah. know, the consequences of evil. Boy, you, that ought to be as dreadful as right. And that dread was in the heart of Adam and Eve. There's no doubt in my mind. When they, they, we were, they, we were afraid. I'll bet you that word there in the garden, when they were hiding from God, it was the dread because something happened to them. And that was all satanic. So well, we need to get as many souls saved as we can so that the devil will stop possessing all these people on this planet. And, and remember that we all came out of the same womb of Eve and we all need to be born again. And we need to get as many people out of Eve and Adam into Christ. Amen. 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 I had one other short question. Sure. Uh, connected sort of. Uh, is it good for me to pray that Joe and Camilla, my type, 
uh, experience the fear of the Lord? Oh yeah, if it if it I'm produces not... salvation. Yeah. Okay, I've always great. experienced having a tough time for voting for what I call wicked leaders. Uh, yeah, they don't deserve my my personal uh, uh, approval, but they need. I, I say that they need prayer for salvation, and maybe one way of doing that is praying that they have the fear of the Lord. Yeah, that's a great point because none of us deserved anything in our wild days, but thank God somebody prayed for us, and thank God the Lord Jesus came to us and drew us to him and called us and began this incredible journey. So, yep, I totally agree with you, Brother Phil. We'll keep journeying in the fear of the Lord. I will, I will. You have a good day. You too. God bless you. All right, that was a great call. All right, folks, I have gone a little bit over, but I'm going to say goodbye. I see that this conversation uh, was not as acceptable to the taste as our numbers have dropped significantly in this conversation. And to each his own. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Pastor Vince. You're listening to The Watchman. And right now on Omega Radio, there is a roundtable discussion. You're not going to want to miss it. It's about deliverance from a particular spirit. You may hear things you've never heard before. Omegaradio.org. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.